When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. And what's up? Welcome in. It is GC Live. I am Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. Monday edition of the show. Thanks for joining us. We're going to talk a little bit of everything today. So maybe some Gamecock baseball, maybe even a little bit of men's basketball, and of course some South Carolina football as always as we've officially, I think, hit that, I don't want to say the offseason doldrums. There's always something to talk about in South Carolina football, but um, not maybe not quite as much going on as far as publicly. Uh, you know, w- within the program or, or anything like that. So South Carolina is settled in. The roster is sort of settled. The coaching staff is sort of settled. But we'll uh, maybe get into some things we're hearing, both from a football and football recruiting standpoint. But first, I want to tell you about our good friend, Clint Hammond. Uh, check him out, clinthammond.com. Clint Hammond of Mortgage Network is our primary presenting sponsor of GC Live each and every day that we have a show. We appreciate Clint. You can give Clint a call, 803-771-6933. Clint is not only a good friend of mine, but a huge Gamecock fan and a huge supporter of GamecockCentral.com and actually is not just in my opinion, but statistically one of the top mortgage guys in the entire state of South Carolina and has consistently been one of the top guys and top Midlands mortgage guys. So if you've seen if you watch the news at all, you see low interest rates. Uh, if you have not refinanced in a while, actually probably a great time. You can uh, save yourself some money. So give Clint a shout, 803-771-6933, and tell him that Wes and Chris uh, sent you on over there, and he'll get you hooked up with a great deal on a new mortgage. Uh, Chris, busy weekend, um, I would say, for the especially for – I got to imagine for like the SIDs at South Carolina, super busy weekend. You had men's basketball going on. You had women's basketball going on. You had some softball going on. Um, Baseball opens up their season. They get a Friday, Saturday, Sunday sweep of Dayton. And we we haven't really talked a ton of baseball. Generally, you know, we'll have Colin on to talk about that. But I figure my my plan moving forward is maybe we'll have Colin on every Friday. I don't want to have a Monday and Friday and sort of load him up, but We'll have him on every Friday to talk a little bit about the week that was and look ahead to the upcoming uh, series of games. And obviously this coming weekend will be a huge series for South Carolina as they really get rolling with, with Clemson. But I will say this, we talked to Colin on Friday. He talked about some expectations of this team. I I didn't sit down and watch every single game, Chris, but I did catch a little bit of every single game on the stream. And I know it's just Dayton. I know it's one week, but my impression of this baseball team so far was that they were sort of av- as advertised. Uh, you know, you have uh, what I think is a deep pitching staff. 
You have some power arms in there. And uh, the guys Colin told us about, sort of the hitters to watch, the power guys to watch, all had uh, – really most of them had outstanding weekends. So, so far, so good for South Carolina baseball with a 3-0 and start of this season. Yeah, Colin Taylor uh, going to be strutting around a little bit because he sort of he sort of nailed – like you said, man, all, all the things that – you never know with baseball, you know, how it's going to go. You can sort of project the team. You can think you know – what you've seen. Um, and it did play out, you know, in that first series, I think some of the things that Colin hit on that were the expectations for this team, certainly a positive for Mark Kingston and the squad that it matched up, right. It's, they didn't drop a game in a poor fashion. They didn't, they won the series. That was the biggest thing. Right. But they came out and, you know, game one, they were pretty dominant, right. From a pitching standpoint, uh, they hit the ball extremely well. We saw, you know, game three, I guess it was. Um, they were able to sort of come back, had a clutch hitting, right? We saw some two-out hitting in that contest. We saw the power. Wes Clark, great weekend. Um, Wes, a combination of us. I just thought of that. We got Wes and Clark to make Wes Clark. So he had a great weekend. Uh, Brady Allen was really good. David Mendham, who, who Colin Taylor talked a lot about on Friday, he showed up with with a big hit, and then the pitching staff, like you said, man, was was real good uh, from a starting standpoint. But then when the bullpen, you know, day, on third game, bullpen was really good as well. So, like you said, you do have to measure. It. It's just Dayton. We know this team's going to get tested starting next series, and then certainly an SEC play where it's just an absolute just gauntlet every single week. Um, in conference, but there were some encouraging signs, I think, for this team, and they sort of showed, you know, what the makeup of this team, the composition of it's going to be going forward. Yeah, Wes Clark, a a combination of our names, Chris, and a probably – no, I won't say probably. He produces more power at the plate than both of us combined. So um, – Yes, yes. Very safe to say that. I mean, this guy um, – and I, I don't know, may, maybe it's just brag on Colin Day, but his uh, – if, if you are a Gamecock Central subscriber and you are a baseball fan, go check out Colin's observations from the weekend. I, I thought they were really good. And he called he called Wes Clark a robot sent from outer space whose sole goal in life is to hit home runs, which <laughs> honestly, if, if you told me that was the literal case, I would not be entirely shocked, first of all, because it's 2020, 2021, the last couple of years, nothing really surprises us anymore. But based on the output so far, um, if he was sent from outer space with that as his sole purpose, then whoever designed him did an outstanding job because he has been amazing and um, continues to be the consistent power presence in the middle of South Carolina's order, which he was last year. This is not a fluke. Um, He did it in 16 games last year. He did it all offseason, I believe, uh, with uh, the Blowfish here locally, and then obviously has started off the year very, very hot. Uh, shout out to our listeners and viewers, and of course, everybody, all of our delinquents here in the chat. Uh, what's up, CJ? I, I don't know if I've seen CJ on as much. Uh, I think that's maybe a newer name, so what's up, man? Thanks for joining us here. Uh, Craig, what's up? Uh, Craig, a longtime watcher of the show. J-Dub. Hope you're well. Yeah, J Dub, I, I wasn't gonna bring it up, man, but since you did, um I, I you know, I I figured I'd be piling on a little bit, but since J Dub brought it up, uh, 
yeah, at some point, Chris will have to follow through and possibly get a background, I think. Yeah, we're, we're I'm not even going to say we're working on it. We're mentally working through that. <laughs> we're still in the install phase of that. Uh, I'm trying to figure out this room configuration that I'm in. That That is really the biggest thing. And uh, I got to I gotta figure out cords and all these different things, but I'm working on it, man. I really am. And then I have to figure out, I installed a shelf in a, in a downstairs bathroom recently. They got me thinking about some shelving up here. So I'm going to figure it out soon. It's just uh, the first priority, obviously, information. But second is presentation. And I'm falling down on the job. And I must apologize to all the listeners. But you did say this week. So maybe by Wednesday, maybe. I'll have a little something. It won't be a finished product. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, what's up, Greg? What's up, T? Hope you are well. See, all right, CJ. Don't come on now, man. Now he's going in on the uh, on the haircuts here. But what? I mean, what, it wouldn't be a show if somebody wasn't talking crap about us. But uh, Aaron, what's up? Where is Greg? I have no idea where Greg is, man. I I called. So I was on the show earlier with the JB the JB and Goldwater show. I called out Greg. Greg has been commenting and watching. The uh, the JB and Goldwater show. No, yes. So, called Greg out, and I seeked a outside opinion, and they agreed that the official roster from South Carolina was a good enough reading to determine the bet. Basically, you talked to a lawyer about it. <laughs> well, I, I asked. Uh, I asked uh, Jamie and okay. uh, and Goldwater over there. So. They they said basically we we win so I I don't know man I, I don't know why Greg just disappeared but Greg we're here man come on over come on back it's okay we've all lost bets before come hang out with us no worries we're good um anyway back to baseball yeah th- this team appeared to be what we thought they are so far and I, I'll tell you man watching some of these pitchers Thomas Farr on. Friday was awesome. Um, you know, you, you look, I think Brandon Jordan struggled a little bit. Uh, it wasn't quite himself on Saturday, but um, he'll be fine. Got really, really good stuff. And then maybe the surprise of the weekend, Julian Bostic, who had a, a little bit of a, a blister that, that slowed him down. He had to come out of the game early, but strikes out eight straight people after, I believe, hitting the first batter of the game on Sunday. University of South Carolina record, eight straight guys. So um, there's some depth to this. You know, there there's some talent to this team. We'll see how it sort of all comes together. But I think it's going to be a fun team. And I will say this, Chris, sort of my final thought on this. Anytime, you know, anytime you win a series in baseball, it's a game where you lose to teams you're better than all the time. Um, it just happens in this game. But anytime you can pull off the sweep, it was a close game on on Sunday. It uh, it could have gone either way. I think that's actually healthy to have a, a close game early and go win it. But you talked about the SEC schedule, dude. You play Clemson next weekend. Texas is on this schedule as well. Um, this is not an easy schedule at all. So anytime you have an opportunity to I don't want to say still wins because that makes it sound like you shouldn't have won. But anytime you can pull off the sweep versus just statistically 3-0 versus 2-1 um, gives you sort of a little bit of wiggle room moving forward 
because the entire SEC is going to be loaded. Your out-of-conference schedule is pretty loaded as well. So to win these midweek or, you know, it was a weekend game, but it was sort of a midweek quality opponent, I would say. Win as many of those as you possibly can while you have a chance to wear. Because the committee, I believe, Chris, will they're going to be lenient to losing some games oh, to the know. equality of opponent. But you still have to win enough to, to get in, obviously. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't lose the majority of your series. And hey, look, guys, we played a tough schedule. You know, it, it at some point you do have to win. But there's no doubt, man, that South Carolina's strength of schedule is. I don't have any metrics in front of me, but it doesn't take a, a genius to figure out that it's one one of the better you know schedules in the country. When I say better, one of the toughest schedules. And it's like Colin said the other day, you know, for South Carolina or really any team in the SEC. You can be a really, really good team in the SEC and finish, I don't know, middle of the pack. I mean, if South Carolina finished third or fourth in in the Eastern Division, they could be one of the best baseball teams in the country and do that, you know, because you're looking at contending with Florida and Georgia – or not Florida and Georgia, Florida and Vanderbilt, you know, two of the best teams in the country right there in your own division. You look across to the West – some of the teams South Carolina will play there, and then some of the teams that are just in the league in general with your Texas A&M's, Ole Miss, Mississippi State's. There's a ton of good baseball talent, you know, uh, in this conference. And then not to mention, you know, the, the Clemson, the Texas that are on the schedule. So taking care of those, a series like Dayton, taking care of your midweek games, those are the games that you want to give yourself a buffer, and, and those types of games are your buffer. Don't drop a series like Dayton don't drop too many midweek games where it becomes a question later. If you drop some sec series, which you're going to do. Uh, I forgot to do it this year, Wes, normally every baseball season, I'll put out a reminder on social media, this opening day and Hey, just go ahead and be prepared. South Carolina will not win every baseball game this season. Um, it, it does not happen. And so didn't do that this year, but yeah, I mean, that definitely is going to, it's a joke, but it'll it'll hold true this year, especially because if this team can get through this schedule with a really, you know, really, really good on paper record, they've really done something because it's it's really tough. Uh, let's see. Let's let's hit a couple questions here, Chris. Aaron uh, Gibson on Facebook wants to know who pitches tomorrow. Uh, nothing official yet from South Carolina. I just texted Colin Taylor uh, to try to help you out here. And I asked who his candidates are, um, in his opinion. I can see the little dots, which he is typing right now. Um, so we're going to get you a real-time answer here, Aaron. Okay, yeah. All right, Colin says it is not announced, but that Parker Coyne, Will Sanders, and Jack Mahoney are probably the three guys most in um, most sort of in the running to, to be the starter. So we'll see. There, there's your three guys uh, that could – not not officially, but that just it sounds like could potentially be the starters. So let's see Chad on Facebook wants to know if there's any word on fans at football games in the fall. No official word there either, Chad. I would imagine, I mean, Chris, remember last offseason? I mean, South Carolina and pretty much every university kind of, I, I was going to say by design, not really by design, but just because this is what they were forced to do, I think, took it right up to the last and I remember people were asking week after week after week, what, how is this going to work? How is this going to work? 
Well, you didn't want to make a decision until you absolutely had to. It was like the latest you could do it and still logistically be able to make it happen. Um, so I imagine something similar as far as them waiting a, a little while to, to announce, maybe, maybe not quite so late. But based on what I think Chris and I have both heard, Chris, you, you got to think there's going to be more fans in the stadium than this past season. Now, it's February 22nd. Neither one of us can sit here and tell you it's going to be a packed stadium, you know, that it's going to be 100% capacity. I feel pretty comfortable unless just something unforeseeable happens and everything goes off the rails again, you know, something no one can predict. I would project you're looking at much more like over 50%, maybe 75%, I mean, maybe even 100%. I, I think a lot of it comes down to vaccine. Um, they've projected pretty much anybody who wants it will be able to have it by the summer. So if that remains the case, there are no setbacks as far as that goes. You know, may, maybe maybe you get 100% allowed capacity or close to it. Then the next question, Chris, uh, this is something people have brought up to us. How quickly do, and I, I won't just say South Carolina fans, but just humans in, in general, how quickly do we all sort of dive back into the idea of packing into a stadium? That That is a real question, I think, moving forward. A hundred percent, man. And we had a discussion on this recently, and I think th- there's two things to watch here. One is something that pre-COVID era, before we knew that the coronavirus existed in its current form and it was going to rock everybody's world, you know, college athletics was already fighting the fridge and the couch at home and the AC and all that, right? Um, and big screen TVs, the comforts of home, you know, weighing that versus the cost of going to games, what type of experience, what type of team are you going to watch and see? Now, despite that, South Carolina, because of its fan base, which is very loyal, very passionate, has always, not always, but almost always seen very, very high, you know, uh, gates, you know, for lack of a better term. I mean, they've done very well with attendance. Some, Some games better than others, depending on the game, depending on the year, how the season's gone. But for the most part, they they pack the stadium, right, by and large. And so that's something they're already fighting against, not just South Carolina, everywhere, you know, fighting against that, rising ticket prices versus home. So now you've got that combined with the COVID stuff. So there will be a segment of people that vaccine or not would have gone to a football game. There will be more of those if if all this holds true and, and more of the population is vaccinated or whatever. And People are allowed, whether it's 75 percent, 100 percent, whatever it may be, by the NCAA, by college athletics, by these universities. Um, There will be I think we can safely project more people. But the question, like you said, Wes, how many if South Carolina opens it up and says, "Okay, all 80,000, if you all want to come, go for it, you know, do it at your own risk, whatever it may be. um, Does that mean they get 80,000? Because not only are you fighting against. That other stuff, you know, the, now you're fighting against the, the COVID stuff with even with a vaccine. Is there going to be a segment of the population, Gamecock fans, who say, I'm not quite ready for that yet? Maybe so. Or people are conditioned now 
to sit at home because a lot of people had to do that obviously last year and maybe that's better for them. So it's really going to be fascinating, I think, to to watch it play out. And I do think it's going to be much later. Somebody else asked about, you know, the spring game, spring practice. We don't even know that yet. We don't know how many fans, if any, are allowed at a practice or at a spring game, March and April. We don't know those things yet. So certainly we don't we don't know yet about the season. Just so much left, you know, to sort out between now and then. Yeah, and uh, to, we can't answer this, Susan. So April 24th is the – I mean, do we have to put the tentative tag in there? I mean, right now that is the scheduled day for <laughs> the spring game. I mean, at this point, anything in sports is always tentative, uh, I think. But So April 24th is the plan right now for the spring game. That's almost exactly two months from now. So I, you know, we'll we'll see how things look then. I, I tend to think having this buffer um, leading all the way into the fall, I feel pretty comfortable saying there's going to be a lot of fans allowed in the sands. Now, the, I I do think Chris sports as they usually are are going to be a part of a greater conversation here. I remember this maybe this not this time last year, but a few months from now, but last year, us talking about. Um, you know, masks and uh, the the place for masks in society and how would masks be required at stadiums? And that ended up being the case that, that yes, they were, especially as far as moving in and, you know, moving around. Well, I believe there, there will be certain things that if you want to do them as someone in our society, you will maybe have to show that you've had a vaccine. So will, will that be part of this as well? I don't want to dive all into that and what it means and what, you know, who, if, if that should be the case or not. But I, I think that will be a part of the greater conversation when it comes to sports, when it comes to concerts, when it comes to anything involving big venues and shoving people tightly into them. Um, it, it's going to be a part of the conversation. So go ahead and prepare yourself. I, Chris, I think that's coming. So do you think and and we're not we're doing we're there will be no politics behind this discussion. We're just not going to go there, as you said. But do you think would your guess be that I don't know whether it's a school by school, maybe a few schools do it, a few don't. Do you think that schools are going to require a vaccine? Because I, I, I'm more along the lines of because. I'm going to say if it's widely available by that time. That's what they're projecting, right, is that, like you said earlier on the program, anybody who wants it can get it by this certain time, summer, fall, whatever. Let's say it's by the football season. To me, I I think the approach that people will probably take, administrators, is, hey, it's available, so get it. If you don't get it, that's sort of on you, right? Now, you do have some liability things. They're going to have to sort through liability again this year. But I would think they'll feel better about some of those things. What What do you think? You- yeah, I, I tend to think um, – n- now, Chris, you do have um, – I, I think from what I remember when I went off to, to South Carolina as a college student, there were certain vaccinations that, you right. know, I believe you were required to have. But then there were maybe some religious reasons or other reasons you could opt out if you wanted to. Um, I, I don't – I, I do believe talking to some people, some friends of mine here in the medical industry, that that may be some requirements for travel. Um, you know, if you're if you're maybe leaving the country, going into another country or coming back into this country from another country. Um, 
having to have one to enter a sporting event maybe a couple of steps down the road or a couple of steps too far more than people are willing to yeah. accept, you know? But uh, the, ultimately, if enough people get it, all this is a, a moot point, hopefully. You know, if enough people get it, then there's herd immunity and you don't even have to factor all these things in. But I, I do tend to think that just blindly going into the stadium without any protections, those days may be over, but I, I could be wrong. I, I hope not. I, I think there will always be some considerations to a COVID world compared to the way things used to be where we were just, you know, we're spreading the flu around like crazy, but no one really seemed to care. <laughs> right. you know, right. Let's shove into a concert venue. Let's, you know, whatever. So, Anyway, that, that's we'll see how it plays out, and ultimately, it's going to be what people are willing to accept, you know. So, so we'll see, man. A um, little bit of other news uh, as we move on from uh, from baseball, and sort of th- there was another comment I'm going to get to here shortly because it actually sort of speaks to something I wanted us to get into a little bit as well. Scott asked about uh, the blister on Bosnick's finger. I have no answers there for you, Scott. We'll see. That's the type of thing. I imagine they pulled him out of the game pretty quickly because they didn't want to see that continue to become an issue. And you just hope that it doesn't continue to be an issue moving forward. Um, But blisters with pitchers, it it can be, it can be sort of an annoying thing that can continue to be an issue. Um, You just hope that's not the case with with him and that, um, you know, it's something they sort of caught early enough, but all right, so football-wise, a little bit of news, Chris. Um, I was happy to see that uh, that Addison Williams, a former Gamecock, um, a guy that was obviously on the team for South Carolina but then was a student assistant at South Carolina, a grad assistant at South Carolina, has spent some time at, at Furman here in the state, then was at Coastal Carolina as an assistant this past season. Honestly, I didn't realize he was only at Coastal for a year, but looking at his bio, um, he had only spent a year there and uh, – Word comes down today officially that Addison Williams is going to be on Gus Malzahn's staff at UCF. He will be the cornerbacks coach there, Chris. And this is a guy I think you and I are always sort of looking, okay, who's going to, who would make sense to potentially be on a South Carolina staff at some point in the future? I look at Addison Williams. I say former Gamecock has spent time in this state as a coach. This this guy's an up and comer. He's a fast riser in the coaching community. Um, very happy for Addison. I think he'll do very well at UCF, and is someone I think we will be continuing to track. Yeah, always been a sharp guy. I mean, I remember even when he was playing, um, everybody always just talked about how intelligent he was, and a lot of people pointed to him as the type of guy that's going to be able to to be a coach, you know, in the future. So Atlanta native has a lot of ties at the high school area there. Obviously, the, the tie to Gus Malzahn is the fact that he was um, on Malzahn's staff as an analyst or a grad assistant, maybe both. Um, can't remember his exact title, but an off-field role helping out at Auburn at one point under Gus Malzahn. So had a tie there and chance for him to keep moving up in the industry. So really happy for him. He's a really good coach, really good recruiter. And like you said, man, I expect him to continue you know, rising up in the industry and certainly would not be surprised if in some form or fashion, he ended up at South Carolina one day. 
yeah, always a chance of that happening. And I think um, you can sort of tell, man, some of these guys early on in their career, it's like spent two years here, spent one year here, spent two years here, spent, and it's because they're, you know, they're, they're rising up the ranks very, very quickly. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think we're, th- this is completely anecdotal. This is, there's not really any statistical numbers that I've seen to back this up, Chris, but I think we're in a time and, you know, Addison, Addison is what a little bit younger than us. Um, he graduated in 2010. So I think he's about our age or a little bit younger. Um, I think because of this push that we've seen from, um, from the, not from the NFL, but to the NFL where we're seeing, uh, the NFL jobs be a little bit more valued because you're not having to deal with recruiting. That's always been the case. You're not having to deal with uh, the future of recruiting, which is very transfer portal heavy, which is involving, um, you know, this name image likeness stuff that is going to be a big part of the future of college football. I just kind of have a feeling we're seeing guys take these NFL opportunities. It's opening up opportunities at the college level. I think college is getting a little bit younger where you're seeing, you know, and UCF is a group of five school. Technically, I almost consider them a power five program. They're maybe the premier, the premier group of five program with a major head coach like Gus Malzahn now leading the way. Um, I think you're going to see more and more young guys sort of get these better opportunities at the power five level because these spots are maybe opening up a little bit more than they had in the past. Again, just anecdotally, do you, do you sort of get that feel as well? Oh, I can see that. And, you know, I think with just to be realistic, man, some of these younger coaches are a little bit maybe better positioned to understand and connect with sort of the modern student athlete, because it is different. I mean, I know some people don't like it, but the, the student athlete, um, of the 1990s or even the early 2000s is is way different than now. I mean, how many people have told us that, Wes? These kids nowadays are different. I mean, some people say it in a little bit of a derogatory way. Some people positive. Some people sort of just neutral. Just, But that is the way it is. And so um, some of these coaches, it wasn't that long ago that they went through the recruiting process. What was it, Addison in the, maybe the 2007 class, I think, for South Carolina, somewhere around there. And um, now – that was even a lot different. We, we've covered recruiting for quite a while. Wes, covering recruiting now is a lot different than it used to be. So there are these new elements, but some of these younger coaches, I think, just my opinion, uh, I agree with you, are maybe better poised to be able to understand that, take advantage of it, um, and, and deal with it. They, they just are better equipped to deal with it versus some of these older school coaches. So it is it is another interesting just sort of subplot, another layer to all the different changes across college athletics. Yeah, and I think you look at that with with Montario Hardesty here at South Carolina. This is a young guy has has risen up the ranks, you know, pretty quickly. And it's someone, you know, I, I was, um, you know, talking to a prospect, uh, Jalen Glover, recently, and you know, he he was talking about how um, basically Montario Hardesty was like, you know, I, I just went through the recruiting process not that long ago myself, and it, it was different then, obviously, but there is a little bit more of an ability to connect there. And, you know, we've talked about this from, I would say, a building a staff standpoint, having 
I think you, you want to have a mix of guys, right? You want to have a few veterans. You want to have some just maybe some old school guys. And but then you, I think more than ever, you need to have some some younger dudes, some some hungry guys that can just relate with people. And um, you know, even Shane Beamer is, is a young head football coach, so he's maybe a little bit more in a position to relate with your your current student athletes than, than maybe an older coach. Um, potentially would be there there was a comment earlier I think this will be a good segue hopefully this was a while back hopefully Reed is, is still on here and uh, Reed made the observation that he's been watching a lot of the players um, Instagram lives and uh, that they are showing major gains with Luke Day in the weight room and I, I will say and, and people Chris people it's fine they can they can chalk this up to off-season rah-rah stuff you know and and that's I, I get it. That's perfectly fine. Generally, this time of year, it's February. Everybody's got some positive stuff going on, right? L- l- let's go ahead and put that out there. But it is worth mentioning how many different people we have been told, or how many different people have told us, I think is the proper way to say it, that the vibe in the room is different. And it's really about going from and again, there's more than one ways to try to win games. Mm-hmm. But you're going from sort of that Saban copy. Um, you know, it's an NFL style, like this is our organization. This is how you do things. Um, you come in and you're expected to do things a certain way, and you either get in line or you're not going to be successful versus what is a little bit more of a new school approach, I think, under Shane Beamer, under Luke Day, who um, the more we hear about, the more you think Luke Day is a potential Grand Slam type addition to this program because there's been a new attitude, there's been a more positive vibe, I think, and there's been a little bit more of a of a customized, I think, approach to you know the idea, Chris, that that – this guy may not be best coached this way, whereas this guy is maybe best coached by this approach. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to put it put it out there. From what we've gathered, Luke Day is a uh, you know he's one of those coaches. I'm going to love up on you. I'm going to get to know you. I'm going to sort of uh, be positive, positive reinforcement. But that doesn't mean we're going easy. That doesn't mean we're relaxing. And that doesn't mean we're not putting it in gear when somebody needs to to hear it either, you know? Yeah, and I think play, players respond to people when they know that, you know, their best interests are at heart. And so for some players, look, and we can toss, you know, the methodology of everything out the window. The program wasn't in a positive place at the end of last season. And – we there are a lot of different factors and reasons for that, but here's one, you know, they just weren't winning games, you know, and that was one. And so now you do have a fresh start, right? And you do have a new staff and it's a new year. That's part of it. But there has been a concerted effort, no doubt, to inject some positivity into things. And that can have an effect. And we've heard enough, you know, general things, Wes, and some specific things that, you know, point to the fact that a lot of people needed a different approach or that the, the, the different approach has helped some people in terms of confidence, 
offseason performance. Now, yeah, we have to see how all that stuff projects to the field once it's time in spring. How do things go? But um, these are the types of things that, you know, have helped some of these players just to hear sort of a different type of voice. And so the amount of people that, you know, have raved to us, like you were saying earlier about Luke Day and, you know, just sort of how he approaches things um, in the weight room, but just getting to know the players and, and the whole person. I think that's been um, it's been sort of overwhelming how, how many people have told us about that. Yeah. And, and again, you're you know, you're generally going to hear positive things this time of the year, but um, the overwhelming is probably the best way to say it. it it's been pretty much it, it's almost like um, people can't wait to tell you about this Luke Day guy. You know, it's like, hey, let, let me tell you about Luke Day. Um, so I, I think we all that 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 was a hire or, or that was a hiring process where we all were sitting there. It, it took, a, you know, Beamer took his time. We're sitting there saying, what direction is this going? You and I looked into, I mean, I can't even count how many guys we were sort of trying to follow along the way. Did he talk to this guy? Did he talk to that guy? Um, but then it's almost like Luke Day sort of uh, had his opportunity to, to talk to Shane Beamer and blew him away. And then I think as he's incorporated himself into this program, he's blown away other people that have been able to sort of witness what, what he's all about as well. And Chris, I'll, I'll tell you, man, talk, talking to some people maybe that have been around the program, we, we know that there was a reason that there was a change in strength and conditioning. Let's go back to the previous offseason, right? There's yep. a reason you make that change. Now, I tend I tend to just say with, with Paul Jackson this past year, he's in a bad spot, right? And he sort of just got sometimes that 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 is such an important hire. Shane Beamer not keeping Paul Jackson is in no way reflective, in my opinion, of Paul Jackson as a strength and conditioning coach. I, I think Paul Jackson does a, a really good job. COVID this past offseason really hurt anybody as far as hurt everybody as far as their ability to develop their team in that side of things, right? Well, if you're Beamer, you sort of have to bring in your guy, I think, because it's such an important part of the culture you're trying to build at your program. Well, that is an area I dare say in the past has lacked at South Carolina to where if you are at South Carolina right now, if you're not going to get, you're not going to just load up with, with five-star guys. So to me, you have to have great physical development where your your freshmen become ultimately juniors. Some of them stick around four years and become seniors. And you sit there and say, that guy is way better physically as he's leaving than he was when he got here. You you look at some of the other programs that have to take sort of a a building approach. And what I mean by that is that you're not just reloading because you're landing five-star, five-star, four-star, four-star, five-star. You know what I mean? Um that area of your program has to be really, really good. So while every 
program is going to say, we have to get bigger. We have to get stronger. We have to get faster. I think it's an even bigger deal for South Carolina. And I think these this past month and this next, what, two two months? Doesn't spring practice start, start I guess, March 20th, I think? Um, this, like, basically three months of just strength and conditioning type work, I believe, is massive for South Carolina if they are going to put themselves in a position to take a step forward on the field this season. It is, and, and we've already heard some stuff about – and COVID definitely played into it last year. So when, when I say that, keep bear that in mind sort of in the background. But a lot of guys have rapidly reached some offseason things that they needed to accomplish, basically, in terms whether it's a weight goal, speed goal, improvements in, in some different metrics. And, and from what we've heard, a lot of people are hitting those. And so that's certainly a positive. But, but yeah, look, what, given where South Carolina is, man, it's – very important for them to maximize what they have on the roster during the recruiting process, especially for the first few years, um, you know, doing a great job on your evaluations is even more critical. This is the case for every school. You know, even if you are landing those more of a top 10 or 15 class, they still have to be actual quality players. They still have to actually develop. Um, But it's even more critical for South Carolina. And then I think using the tone and culture of your weight room, um, you know, the strength and conditioning coaches around the players as much as anybody, more than anybody. And so using that to shape your culture, I think you can actually use as a recruiting tool because prospects are going to pick up on that. So if you can differentiate yourself somehow with your weight room culture, with your team culture, with the way that the coaching staff interacts with the players, that's something that certain prospects are going to look at and say, that's a little different. Maybe I want to check that out. Um, and, and it could appeal to some of them. Um, so it, I think if you set the tone that way and, and do a great job on your evaluations, your development, it's big. Like you said, man, a lot of people, they have good, they have very quality strength programs, great cultures, and then they're recruiting all these really good players and applying those things. But I think the point is it's even more critical for South Carolina, especially in the early going, to, to do those things. No doubt. Uh, T saying that she thought uh, Dave was a grand slam from his press conference. Uh, our buddy uh, Craig saying that the carry on has gotten swollen. Let's uh, let's hit another uh, pra- let's hit another question here. Uh, Patrick said, uh, "Do you think the offensive staff is going to visit Oklahoma to incorporate some of the concepts, or will Shane just show them what he knows?" Good question. And uh, Chris, I, I think. Um, we don't have – I don't think we have – you may, I, I don't. I don't have a direct answer on that. But I do think if you are Shane Beamer and you're this offensive staff, and you already you already do have some sort of interesting offensive minds in the room, right? You have Beamer, of course, who has said he's going to have an influence on that. You have Satterfield, who is obviously very tied in with Matt Rule and has spent the time with Joe Brady. And then, uh, you know, of course, you have Eric Kimry, who um, – will be coming in from the high school level, obviously, but is known as a, a great offensive mind. Uh, I still would not be surprised. I'm sure Shane Beamer will lean on Lincoln Riley. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. And again, unfortunately, COVID sort of maybe has is a factor in some of this as well. But if possible to take a trip out there, 
I wouldn't be surprised if that's part of the offseason because that's something that is pretty common anyway. Coaches always host guys that they, you know, are friends with or, or respect or sometimes it's just as a matter of asking, I think, hey, can we come out and, and watch a practice? Can we sit in on a session? It wouldn't shock me at all if South Carolina takes a trip to Oklahoma this offseason or, you know, if Shane Beamer flies Lincoln Riley out and says, you know, come check out our facility and, and hang out in Columbia for a couple of days. Yeah, and and that's the way I'd answer it. Don't, don't have any hard information as to whether or not we know that, but I, I would almost be pop sure that there will be some sort of, you know, picking brains and collaboration, things like that. And I do know, you know, the other connection there, obviously Marcus Satterfield spending time with the Panthers around Joe Brady this past year, and we do know that there's been some collaboration and, and some – some communication back and forth with Joe Brady on some certain concepts too. So we know that some of the stuff that Brady did with Carolina, some of the stuff that Lincoln Riley did at Oklahoma, those things are sort of being mixed into the playbook as well. So given that they've done that some with Brady, I would think same thing with Riley with, with Shane Beamer, obviously having some familiarity with that offense from his years at Oklahoma. Final few minutes here before we close it out. Um, Chris, I got to say, man, let's go big picture. What a weird weekend when it comes to sports. And two stories stood out to me. First of all, Deion Sanders' debut at Jackson State um, completely overshadowed a, a, a huge win as far as the score goes, 53 to nothing, I think. Just an absolute slaughter there. Huge win by, by Deion Sanders and his, his team in his first game. Troy Aikman was at the game, came out to support Deion. Um, you would think that would be the story that, you know, Deion Sanders won his first game. He's 1-0 as a head coach at the college level. Completely overshadowed by this incredibly weird story that we all got to sort of see play out in real time on Twitter, I would I would imagine, if you're paying any attention to it. First, Deion says, hey, some, some of my stuff got stolen. And he's obviously PO'd as, as anybody would be by this. Then... The school, via some local media, their officials, who were not named, by the way, put it out. Well, no, this stuff was not stolen. Um, it was just moved in order to um, maybe keep it from getting stolen, but it was a misunderstanding. Then Deion Standards comes back on Twitter and says, no, 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 that's a lie. It was stolen. And um, basically, hey, we got to do better. So... Have you ever seen a more strange debut than this? And um, obviously there were weather issues coming in prior to this. I don't think they had running water at the stadium either from what I saw. Um, your your thoughts on whatever the heck happened? It was really bizarre. And, uh, you know, I, I saw the guys from, from Football Scoop on Twitter sort of noted as a parallel to this whole story that uh, I think they had actually, I don't know if they broke the news, but they had some stuff before Dion was hired, basically indicating that he was going to be the hire at Jackson state and that their officials <laughs> at the school, quote unquote, had denied it. Basically said, there's absolutely no truth to that. Football scoop guys continue digging on it. Found out it was true. Obviously it was true. Who's the head coach there? Dion Sanders. So it was obviously true. So, uh, they sort of drew that parallel. Why, why are these guys telling this story again? I, I, remember, I did see that Dion said that I think maybe his assistant or somebody who was in 
the the same room witnessed the stuff being taken. The officials were putting out that had been moved for safekeeping or something like that. So yeah, just a just a bizarre. I, I mean, if I I saw the score like one time of the game and I saw that it was a complete blowout. And other than that, there's been really not much of it. Not much of Deion Sanders won his first game big. Oh, could he be a really, really good coach? It's been no his stuff's got stolen and who lied about it. Strange, strange deal. By the way, did uh while we're on that topic, did you watch any FCS this weekend? I've I've watched no FCS. I, I mean, I don't know why or how that happened. Uh, busy weekend, I guess, but I watched none, and I'm really disappointed with myself about it. Did you catch any? No, I did. It was almost like yeah. I sort of just forgot because I wasn't. I'm not used to there being football in February, right. and you know, ESPN hasn't really made an effort to take it all that seriously. I feel like, like I, I thought they may say, "Well, huh, let's let's see if there's a market for this and push this like we do." you know, all the, uh, you know, the, the FBS stuff during uh, the fall didn't really seem like they did that. And even the, so the article I read talking about Deion Sanders first game on ESPN.com, I thought it was interesting. It talked about the fact that they won and it talked about him having some stuff stolen. It didn't mention a single stat. It didn't mention a single player who stood out it didn't mention what the quarterback did i was like this is not a typical game story this right. is more about that deon sanders had a has a team basically they won the game and that you know he he had some stuff stolen i was like this is this is just this is weird you're not covering it like like a sporting event basically so i i didn't get to see much or any really fcs but i didn't really feel as if like ESPN or anybody else has said, hey, we're going to take this and try to push this as winter football. You know, so I, that's, I don't know, that was interesting to me. By the way, Craig, uh, our, our friend Craig Godwin, um, who is a very loyal watcher and listener of the show, um, pointed out about um, FAU freshman catcher Caleb Pendleton, who, let's see, he had two grand slams in the same inning in, I believe, his first two college at-bats. Yes. That may actually take the cake. Um, Not bad. <laughs> yeah, that is insane. And unfortunately for Caleb, you're probably not going to match that feat at any point later on in your career. So you, you have – kind of set a standard that you can never yourself reach but but that that's awesome has has to be a record i would think has to be a record so uh, congrats to him that's awesome but the other story i was going to mention how weird was this cam newton seven on seven oh man yeah and the opinions from people coming out after this um to me chris watching it it was just very awkward, very cringeworthy. Um, I, I mean, I kept, I watched it multiple times actually, but it, it sort of just made me uncomfortable. It, it was pretty cringy, high, high cringe level. You know, I, I don't want to be that guy because, I mean, I don't know if they found out the kid and all that. I, 
Hopefully they, they have, and he he's tweeted about it. The kid has, okay. and has apologized, of course. Okay, I'm a little behind on that. So I was going to say, I mean, look, don't need to let that affect the kid's entire rest of life. Obviously, a, a terrible look, terrible decision. I mean, regardless of what you think of somebody, I mean, you know, Cam Newton's accomplished a lot in the game. If if anybody, any football player could pick to accomplish what Cam Newton has, and I'm not talking about any personality stuff, whatever, on the football field, you have made it as a football player, right? And so any of those kids out there on that seven-on-seven field would be happy to to be there one day. So, But um, hopefully he, you know, really realized that that he screwed up with that. But but what what I what I thought of Wes was something that Nick Saban said a while back. I think it was after one of his players got in trouble and he kept getting questions about how are you going to discipline this guy? What are you going to do? Are you going to kick him off the team? And his response was look, I'm about to give a speech, guys, and he he went on his Saban type of speech and he talked about Moose and Muhammad. And he said when I was at Michigan State, Moose and Muhammad messed up. People absolutely killed me, wanting me to kick him off the team. I didn't. I made him do a bunch of stuff. I let him back on. He went on to be an NFL high-level player. Um, I think one of his daughters, he had all a bunch of kids. One of them plays for Texas A&M. Uh, he had all these kids. One of them, I think, was about to graduate from Princeton at the time. I mean, just did wonders with his life. And he said, now, would you have rather me done that? or basically crucified this kid and kicked him off the team and just put him back, you know, wherever. So mm. I think there's an important lesson to be learned from that and that, especially with social media, I saw a rush to just bash this kid. And, and it's understandable. It was a terrible look. It wasn't very smart. It was completely misplaced and misguided. But I think giving the kids an, some grace and an opportunity to learn from it you know, is pretty important too. And and I've definitely been guilty of piling on people in the past for, <laughs> for doing stuff like that. Well, and I'm, I'm just glad, man, we're, we are the last, we're the last era that didn't have all of our crap on social media. Oh, growing yeah. Up. yeah. Like when I, when I was in college, that was sort of the first time that you had to start be like, okay, I, let, let me not put all this on Facebook, you know, but even then your, uh, your parents weren't on Facebook. So a lot of people just put whatever on Facebook anyway. And is is kind of like, okay. I mean, I look back and I cringe probably at some of the stuff that was on Facebook um, when it first came out and, you know, you're just, you're drinking in college and you're having a good time and uh, you're not thinking about that at all. So now everything that happens ends up on social media. And, and I mean, did the kid make a mistake? Obviously in the moment he's basically showing off for his friends. I think trying to be, trying to be, uh, trying not to back down. He's probably not thinking, Oh, million, this is going to get millions of views (laughs) on, on Twitter or whatever. So anyway, that, that was just a weird weekend, man. Super weird weekend. Um, I think that's going to do it for today's show. You got any final thoughts here, Chris? No, man. Good show. Uh, looking forward to being back on Wednesday and going to work on some content now for the website. So if you're not on it, come join us. Yeah, we'll maybe have some uh, some notes coming up here soon in the next day or so. Maybe some recruiting stuff. Um, 
maybe uh, maybe South Carolina in position to to add a, a commitment this week. We'll have um, info on that for Chris. I am Wes. This has been GC Live. Appreciate everybody joining us. Please hit the like button. Please subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. And, of course, please check out our good buddy, Clint Hammond. Check him out, clinthammond.com. Give him a call, 803-777-6933. And if you need a, a mortgage or a refinance, uh, Clint will get you hooked up. Appreciate you all. We'll see you on Wednesday.